change into voiceover champions to save the voiceover world. Hey guys, Joshua Seth here, and I just wanted to make a quick announcement before we get to today's episode with the very funny Joel McDonald. I did something a little different, did a little experiment with this one, and we went live on YouTube. So it's going to sound a little different. We'll be referring to things that happened in the live, and we did get a lot more audience engagement, obviously, because it was live. We had a lot more questions from the fans. That part was cool, but I just wanted to let you know up front, if you're used to listening to these pre-recorded podcast episodes definitely this this one was a little different uh he's really funny totally worth listening to i don't know if i'm going to keep going live on these or not let me know let me know on social media it'd always be great to get a shout out about the voiceover champions podcast and let your friends know and let me know whether you prefer it pre-recorded and heavily edited like i usually do or live and freewheeling like the conversation you are about to experience with me and Joel McDonald. So let's get to it right now. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is VoiceOver Champions, a show for voice actors and fans of voice actors by and about voice actors. And I am your host, Joshua Seth, the once and future voice actor known as me. And uh, welcome to a, a new format, a new version of the VoiceOver Champions podcast. We'll see how long this lasts and how many voice actors actually are willing to show up on camera, but I have my first victim, I mean guest, uh, waiting in the wings here, uh, Mr. Joel McDonald. Who the hell is that, you ask? Well, let me tell you something. Joel McDonald is the funniest person I follow on Twitter. That's the whole reason that I have him on today. I don't know who he is either. Uh, but his tweets make me laugh every day. You know, funniest person I follow on Twitter, maybe that's setting the bar a bit high. There are professional comedians that do that. I'll tell you what, funniest, funniest voice actor. Um, some funny voice actors too. Funniest voice actor named Joel. That I follow is the Joel McDonald that will be our guest today. He is the overlord at Gearbox Entertainment. He's been an actor for 35 years and a director for over 16 years. But as he says, we all make mistakes. He's worked on Borderlands, One Piece, My Hero Academia, and a bunch of shows that I have never heard of. So let's talk now and get to know Joel McDonald. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the show. <laughs> thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to this. This sounds this is yeah. fun. And thanks for doing it on camera. Oh, I was starting to set that up at the beginning and then I, I didn't actually finish my thought. It's it is it is live, so we gotta do it now. Um yeah, so you know, in the past thirty episodes or whatever, we've recorded these podcasts ahead of time and then I spend hours and hours editing them and I'm like how can I not spend hours and hours editing them Aha! we'll do them live on YouTube uh, and the pressure's on now and this is kind of early in the morning when we're recording this but people are actually uh, watching uh, check this out Tobias says so excited um, nice and uh, let's see uh, Kubrick says good thing I made it just in time 
Uh, oh, oh Ed, uh, someone else says, I can't believe this guy had a supporting role in Fairy Tale. But we'll get to all of that a little bit later on. Uh, I'm sure I didn't do your credits justice because I'm somebody that is a creator, not a consumer. So I don't actually watch a lot of stuff and I don't really sure. know what's going on out there. Uh, in the world of anime and pop culture, if I didn't have kids, honestly, I wouldn't know anything. Uh, I know, I know through them. But, but, but you know what you've done. So, so why don't you tell us, like, what, what are you known for having worked on, or what would you like us to uh, you for? I, I, whenever somebody asks, I only remember like six things, and they're never the same That's six funny. things. Uh, but yeah. I, I think you said uh, uh, my hero, uh, fairy tale, initial D, uh, Sekirei, which is one of the booby shows. Um, uh, uh, what? Booby shows, you know, anime with the boobies. Uh, it, uh, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you worked in anime long ago. Some stuff where they kept their clothes on. I get. Well, uh, there is one scene in Akira, that. but okay. Borderlands. Borderlands seems to be pretty big. Borderlands is, uh, and, and Tiny Tina's Wonderlands that came out last year, which is part of the same uh, kind of uh, universe, uh, have been my my life and my passion for the past five plus years that I've been uh, working at Gearbox. Uh, and so, yeah, making the, the transition from the anime and foreign film dubbing world into video games has been uh, super challenging, but one of the most, like, be best moves I've made. Uh, video in games life. are really interesting to me because back when I was voicing them in, in the early 2000s, Cutscenes were very short, and it certainly wasn't done in a cinematic way. Now they're like mini movies interspersed throughout the gameplay, yeah. as, as I see it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know what what uh, game developers and, and what consumers have found, uh, you know, uh, more and more over the years is that uh, con interacting with the media that you consume is much preferred uh, to uh, passive uh, media uh, like watching movies and television. Uh, mm -hmm. It's uh, video games outsell all other forms of entertainment combined by a yeah, wide video margin. games are, are gross more revenue than movies like yeah. actual feature films and they have yeah. similar budgets some of them now too well but but in that but that said though uh the i, I recently came, came across some data about uh the completion rate for most games uh like that how many people actually play all the way to the end yeah. uh it's it's a little depressing because uh, well, I like have lives. I mean, it takes a long time true. to complete a video. How long does it take it to complete does, a yeah. land? I mean, probably, you know, well, if you play like me, like 80 to 100 hours, uh, you know, there's there's yeah. dudes that can speed run it way faster than that. But like, you know, the completion rate is generally around 7%. Wonderlands, though, oh, like we, we hit, huh. we, yeah, we hit like 25%, which 2K, our publisher, was just like blown away by. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we're doing something right. Lots of lots of uh, engagement though. Uh, people in the comments are are talking about cutscenes and how they can they watch the cutscenes on YouTube. So yeah. actually, for me as a voice actor, coming back into this now and now that I'm actually auditioning for things, that's what I've been doing. It, it's very mm -hmm. convenient. And a lot of voice actors and and aspiring voice actors listen to this podcast, and and I definitely recommend taking advantage of that opportunity. So, like, if they wanted to have a good example of voice acting in some of these games that you've worked on. What's one that they should seek out on YouTube? One of my favorites uh, that, that we've done uh, is um, one of the DLCs attached to uh, Borderlands 3. It's called Bounty of Blood. Uh, and uh, it's a, it, we, we kind of merged a couple of genres uh, as far as um, kind of Western films, like old spaghetti Western, quick and the, 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 the good, the bad, the ugly, that kind of thing uh, uh -huh. with uh Japanese and kind of sort of muddled Asian cultures. Uh, and mm -hmm. so we kind of worked in 
almost samurai elements and everything. And yeah, I mean, uh, Kill Bill was a, a movie version of combining those yeah. two genres. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Bounty of Blood was the title we settled on. I pitched a Katana Hot Tin Roof, that which was shut down very quickly. Uh, but uh, but it was that one's really nerd. Hard. I know. <laughs> uh, but that one, I think, there was not only was it a really fun like blending of genres, but like also it, it, there was a tone shift uh, that kind of departed uh, from uh, what we we usually do in the Borderlands universe, which is you know some goofiness some silliness some pop culture references here and there whatever it was it, it had a more serious tone uh and, and we had just some of the most stellar actors uh involved in that one including uh damien mills uh and uh, uh mami okada uh, which i'm probably mispronouncing uh no no i'm no, sorry i used to work with her at viz uh <laughs> um uh, uh Mile, uh um uh whose last name escapes me but she she was uh the lead in that one and uh, anyway uh yeah and so a lot of uh, old characters that get to kind of come back and reappear uh and uh, it was really fun to see how actors would adapt to kind of the new tone uh, that was more dark and serious. Uh, and every one of them, of course, you know, just oh, but they love it because the, that's yeah. the most fun to way to play as an actor is yeah. is someone with ill intent, uh, the the bad guys and villains and you know the, yeah. the 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 people that aren't like let's go save the world. You know, are yeah. much more. Yeah have much more depth and layers of nuance uh, with which to act. So, but that, that requires a voice actor that is actually an actor in order sure. to do that. That's all we work with. Make it a funny voice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like we're kind of jumping into the middle of a conversation. So I have a couple of initial questions for you. See, I actually sure. uh, prepared and typed them out. Uh, nice. So that this do your homework kids uh so first of all gearbox entertainment is that just video games is this, is this your company are you working for that what is gearbox so Gearbox, uh, uh, Gearbox Entertainment uh, started um, a, a few decades ago, uh, and uh, it's it's predominantly been a video game based uh, for uh, the, the majority of its life. Uh, but uh, they've been behind titles uh, like uh, Brothers in Arms, uh, and of course Borderlands. Uh, and I'm never going to be able to think of stuff on on, on the spot. Of video but game titles. Uh, it's very video tons game of video focused. Titles, yeah. Which and, and there's something for everybody. And uh, and but more and more we're starting to kind of explore uh, what we're calling the transmedia space. Uh, where we've got the Borderlands movie will be coming out at some point. Uh, it's been delayed a little bit. There were, of course, you know, bumps and bruises uh, throughout that, but it's got an epic cast with Jack Black uh, and Kate Blanchett and um, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis uh, and, uh, and 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 yeah, just some some you amazing know, talent. I, I used to hate that stuff where they would take like a video game and turn it into a movie because it was always done so poorly. But lately, man, they've been knocking it out of the park with that Last of Us on HBO. Yeah. Like it makes yeah. me want to play the video game because I like the show so much yeah yeah no and that's i, I think uh, last of us has seen that naughty dog has seen a lot of that that uh, that kind of transition from people that had typically enjoyed their their media passively up to that point but like enjoy the story and want to know more about it and mm -hmm. i think they did I, you're right i think they they are one of the best that's ever happened as far as 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 presenting something known in an unknown way uh, you know, and adding uh, content and, and and expanding the world in a way that was just Fleshing really out the characters and the yeah. story and yeah, yeah. And, well, and they did a great job of uh, the in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, and the voice actors getting to be to be uh, you know to, to appear in the game at, at times or in the, the series at times, I thought was a, a wonderful nod uh, and one that you don't see very often. That, but yeah, it yeah. was delightful. And and a, a little sidebar here, I do see all of the comments coming in 
I'm going to turn, you guys keep the comments coming in. I'm going to turn them off so they don't distract me from the conversation. And I'll turn them back on later in the interview when we get to the questions from the fans segment. So keep those comments coming in. I'm not ignoring you, except that I am ignoring you until, <laughs> until I'm not ignoring you. Uh, so how did you get your start as a voice actor? I mean, I, I do know that you, you began as I did in the theater. Uh, yeah. But like, what's your origin story? What is the Joel yeah. McDonald origin <laughs> story here? Uh, well, like most vac voice actors, uh, I made the right friends, uh, you know, at the, the right time. Uh, I, I moved to, uh, to Dallas um, uh, not long after uh, I graduated college. I did a, a national tour of a children's wait, theater wait, production. Where'd you grow up prior to moving to Dallas? Uh, Houston, more or less. So still Texas. And, and yeah. where'd you go to college? Uh, Sam Houston State. And you, and, and uh, you studied theater uh, there, I take it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got a, a BFA in acting and directing there. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Once I graduated, I uh, you know I, my, I always had ambitions to be a stage actor, and I was going to make my living on the stage, uh, which was a, a long shot at the time. It has become near impossible now. Uh, but uh, so once out of college, I just started auditioning. I was delivering pizzas on the side and everything. And I just started auditioning for anything I could find, and Did I you found ever a eat the pizzas. Did you? I never get. I never have people deliver any food to me because I think they're going to get hungry and and eat it. No, I know. Be able to see. Yeah, I mean, you can eat the toppings off the top. Like no one ever did. Fries, or, you know, like, <laughs> right. Like no, we were we were legit anyway. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, delivering, you're delivering pizzas. You you want yeah. to be a stage actor, it's, but you just said yeah. you, you were in a national tour. What was that? Yeah, so it was a uh, there, there's a theater in in Dallas that's still around called the Dallas Children's Theater. They do national tours uh, every year. I think they might have taken a couple of years off during the pandemic, but basically uh, they put a bunch of actors and technicians in a in a van with a box truck with a set in in the back, and they we we toured 21 states in a year. Uh, and, uh, and of course, even though it's a children's theater, they have to cast adults because kids can't drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I need that. <laughs> Your own little rim shot machine? Yeah, I carry it around with me everywhere. That way when I make a dad joke and get a blank stare from my daughter, I just go. Yeah. And uses me. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's so, what dad jokes are for. So, okay, so, so you visited uh, 21 states in a year. What was the show called? Uh, it was called And Then They Came For Me, Remembering the World of Anne Frank. So it was a Holocaust drama uh, based around the, the, wow, the real story of, yeah. yeah, it was very heavy. And when they'd previously done stuff like the Stinky Cheese Man and a bunch of, so we ended up going around and a lot of the schools that they'd performed at in previous years had just like kind of knee jerk signed the writer and said, yeah, yeah, sure. We'd love to come have you back out. Pay but, attention but they, to what they're getting. We performed for like third graders who have no concept of that kind of weight. And yeah. it, well, it was probably a lot of 10th graders don't know either. I live in right. Florida right. where they're like banning teaching actual history now. And uh, yeah. as a Jew and with roots in, uh, you know, uh, atrocities that have happened over in, uh, in, in Europe in, in to, to the family in the past, it's like it's very dispiriting because the old trope of that you don't the, those that don't know history are doomed to repeat it like how, how, are, how are you how are we supposed to learn from the past if right. we don't acknowledge that it happened yeah under under the guise of well it's you know it's, it's going to upset people yeah it's supposed to it is supposed yeah. to upset you so you don't fall into the trap of doing it again or yeah. No, I was I was really blessed to have gotten to do that that, that play, and we got to meet uh, Eva Geringer Schloss that the, the play was based off of, uh, and talk to her. She's a survivor, and uh, uh, and anyway, it was it was a, an incredible experience. Uh, it was really kind of 
hard to maintain your kind of mental health over a year of doing that over and over. But it was, but yeah, I'm glad I lived I did. your dream of being on tour yeah. as a stage actor. I totally exactly. get yeah. that. I yeah. mean, when I left and, LA and I left voiceovers, it's because I had an opportunity to tour my magic mentalism show in theaters. And I was like, wait a second, I get to like, I performed the Wellington Opera House in New Zealand. I performed at Mandalay Bay in, in Vegas. It's like, I, I, I uh -huh. gotta take this chance because it may never come around again and yeah. and did it ever for you or then you moved on from the stage after that well so so yeah after after the play was over after after that year of, of touring I, I landed in Dallas because I, I had kind of made some connections there and uh, I didn't have any other shows lined up but what I did have was I was a, a scenic carpenter at the time I, I would rig and hang lights mm -hmm. uh, I did some basic costume construction. I basically learned all the skills that kind of went around the theater as a means of kind of staying close. Um, what and you've done so, now in voiceovers by doing voicing and casting and directing and yeah. probably producing and wearing a bunch of different yeah. hats. That's yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're employed though. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I think every actor or every artist, I think, needs to know not just their role within their artistic sphere, but I think they need to, to at least be intensely aware of every everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that, you know, you're never going to be able to be on stage all the time. You're never going to be able to be in the booth all the time. But like, if you want to stay close, if you want to continue learning the ins and outs of whatever subset of the industry that, that attracts you, you've got to be able to do it all. Uh, and I so I agree with that, because otherwise, to avoid unemployment, you're going to find yourself working a real job. And then if that takes up too much of your time in life, that be ends up being what you're doing. And at least if yeah. you're in, in the theater or in voiceovers, I know a lot of voice actors that do casting on the side, which seems like yeah. an extremely difficult job. But th I'm sure they're learning and getting better. Yeah. It, their auditions are going to be better from hearing everybody else's auditions. They're going to continue networking. And, you know, it's very value added beyond you know, just getting paid to cast, like you're becoming a better yeah, actor. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, every, every part of the industry teaches you about every other part of the industry. And, and the more, like, thirsty you are for that knowledge, the better you get on all fronts. But, but yeah, when I when I landed in Dallas, I started auditioning for a lot of stage stuff. I fell in with the theater crowd uh, around the Dallas area, which included uh, Colin Clinkenbeard, Laura Bailey, uh, mm -hmm. Travis Willingham, uh, Troy Baker. Uh, mm -hmm. And no, through... Wow. Uh, I just yeah, met him at a, at a Comic-Con. Uh, he's yeah. blowing up since The Last of Us because of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been a huge deal for a while. I mean, like, you know, it's not not many people can like do uh, do Batman while Kevin Conroy is still mm -hmm. around. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he's he's an incredible dude. And anyway, I got to I got to meet them. I got to know them. Uh, Colleen, I think uh, we we hung out quite a bit, and uh, she got me an audition at what was then Funimation, uh, way back when they were in the Frost Bank building before they had their own space. So it was just kind of above a bank, uh, and I I blew that audition. Uh, it was terrible because uh, I'd never seen anime before. I had no idea what I was doing, uh, and I, actually, I think I blew a couple of auditions after that. But okay. they, they at one point what needed. Would that have been? Oh God, it was probably. Let's see, two thousand three was when I graduated. It was probably two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. All there was in terms of anime were like the things I was on. You know, it was like the, the Digimon, the Pokemon, the you know the the gateway anime basically. So yeah. if you weren't like a kid watching it on after school or Saturday morning, you you wouldn't know. And there was no. Right. The, Back then, pre-streaming, you would go into, say, Blockbuster, and there was no anime section or anything yet right. because they hadn't realized they could uh, actually appeal to mm -hmm. audiences of all ages and that it's it's a medium, not a not a genre. It's not specific right. to one style. You know, it could be comedic. It could right. be dramatic. It could be uh, anything. Horror. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, well, and at the time, the only yeah. – 
I'd seen some, I'd say, I think the only thing I'd seen was like Speed Racer. Uh, and, but like, I, I knew there was a, there was a store in the mall uh, where, where, near where I grew up that had a store called Japanimation where you could buy VHS tapes for like 80 bucks, you know? Wow. Uh, right. and that, but, yeah, you're right with one episode on it yeah, or something. Right. Yeah, that was my only exposure to it. And so, like, I went in for my first audition, like, with the only anime in my head was Speed Racer. And so I do this really big, over-the-top, kind of thing. And it was for Desert Pump, which is not that. Uh, and so that didn't go well. But but anyway, like, it was probably, like, a year later uh, when I was working as the master carpenter at a, at a theater. Uh, and Colleen reached out and said, we need a sub-director. Uh, we need someone to take over a couple of contracts. Could you do it? I said, I got this full-time job. She's like, well, what if, what if I got you a writing gig as well? And so, so immediately it, it worked. went into the deep end. Yeah, do well, and it was a crash course. That, that's the only way I could have survived. Like because you know when you're writing, you have to like think of how the actor's going to say the line. You have to get really familiar with timing and and kind of how many flaps you can fit in and all that. And so like that in and of itself kind of brought me up to speed. And then directing my first show was uh, it was uh, the second second season of a show called Subasa uh, that had Monica Rial, Jason Liebricht, uh, J. Michael Tatum, a bunch of others, uh, and w just kind of getting to watch them do what they do. Like I mean, it was it was even more of a crash course. And by by the time that season wrapped i felt like i was like i had it figured out of course i didn't uh but uh, but it was it was a lot easier by the last episode than it was at the first which was freaking terrifying yeah and i'm sure your background in the theater helped you with everything else especially the directing yeah. yeah yeah well that was only the first of many questions but it took so long to answer it that the interview's got to wrap up now so okay sorry <laughs> <laughs> you ramble <laughs> no, no, that's all good. It's all good. Uh, so, so basically, you were learning about anime as you were directing it. Like you were seeing yeah. anime for the first time while working on anime. Well, but at the same time, so so I knew, and I, and I've said that before in like panels and stuff, and people get really mad at me because <laughs> they think yeah. I didn't like respect or understand the show. Well, because like I because I think that there's a, an expectation that someone who's creating the art has a deep connection to the art already, and I don't think that that's that's misguided. Uh, but I but but I knew before I even started directing, I went to one of our producers and I was like, look. I don't want to lose this job having just been offered it, but uh, I was like, I've never actually seen any of this stuff and I want to make good stuff. So like, can you give me a, like a series to watch that would kind of show me like what, what a good finished it's product wow. is. Yeah. yeah. What was yeah. It? And it's, yeah, he gave me a Beck Mongolian chop squad, yeah. uh, which is, it's uh, dude. It's super fun. It's it's got uh, uh, Greg Ayers and Brina Palencia and Eric Vale and uh, Bruce oh, Elliott and okay. a bunch of others. But uh, yes. it, and it's it's a it's about a garage band in Japan. Uh, just some some high school kids with yeah. a garage band, and it was a musical. And I blasted through it in like three days. To counter the the fans that think you all should also be a fan, no, because it's storytelling. <laughs> you need to know how to yeah. act. You need to know how to tell a story and be a part of an ensemble. Uh, but lately it seems like the fans are taking over the industry, but I don't know that that's necessarily always, I mean, there are some outliers, some fans that are good at what they do, but like, like, like I was saying earlier, like you're, you're either a, a content creator or a content consumer primarily. And we only, I know we love the fans. Like, honestly, I'm yeah. making a good part of my living because the fans are, are supporting my body of work at these comic cons. So thank you. Um, but that doesn't necessarily translate to being able to stand in a booth for two hours or four hours, day after day, week after week, delivering a character that has levels and nuance sure. and emotional resonance and connection with the scene and like, you know, all the sorts of things that you learn 
by getting training as an actor. Again, not yeah. always. There are some people that are naturals, right. and there are some fans that are fantastic. Uh, but I think that's more the exception than the rule. Um, well, it's, uh, yeah, I think I think it's consuming the material background in in sure actual acting. Yeah, yeah, I, I think consuming the the, the media uh, isn't the same as practicing it yourself. And like, I mean, like me, I've, I've been saying, a lifelong. Yeah. I'm a lifelong baseball fan. I love baseball. I've watched more hours of baseball than anybody else I know. I throw like an injured sloth. I couldn't play the game like mm -hmm. to save my life. Absolutely. Like, because I, I just don't, I, that's not where I put my focus. So, yeah. So we're talking about uh, Funimation. How long did you work there? And when did you leave? Uh, I was there uh, 11 years. Um, uh, I don't remember exactly so how the math. 2016 ish? Yeah, something like that, and and yeah, I left in, in February, and I've uh, I just hit my uh, my my five year work anniversary at Gearbox uh, this last time. You, you left or were kicked out? What's the skinny? It really kind of depends on who you leave. <laughs> was it your choice? Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it was everyone's choice. Uh, no, I do. I, I miss my I miss my friends at Funimation huh. so much. I, I love those guys like crazy. But uh, but you know, and I, I'm sure you would agree. Like most artists, like if we're not learning something new, if we're not expanding, if we're not growing, like it, we feel we start to feel more and more confined. Uh, oh, yeah. And oh, I'm so sorry to hear that because that's been my Achilles heel my whole career. And if you're like that too, yeah. Uh, good luck because. You know, well, you, but, but what happens is it's a, I wrote a book on focus, actually focus for like creatives. Um, because if you bifurcate your focus in, in different directions, like me, okay, I'll take myself as the example, the, the best and worst example. Like it took me years to get successful as a voice actor. And then I did it for years to the exclusion of the rest of my life, like all the time, you know, taking every gig in case there was never another one offered. And, right. and then I'm like, okay, I feel creatively constrained. Like I'm not, like you said, learning anything new, growing as a performer. I want to go on tour. I want to go do stage stuff. And boom, I went that direction. And you know, now like I'm doing something else. Like if you, it, if you keep changing course, you never reach the potential that you yeah. have in any one direction because you never you never reach any destination. You just you keep well, meandering. And, oh, look at that pretty sunset over there. Oh, yeah. look at that island over there. Yes. Well, to me, I, and I think, I think, and this might be either overly simplified or overly poetic, but I think the comfort is the enemy of art. Uh, and I, I think once you become Holy comfortable. Cannolis! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a quote. Did you just make that up? Or uh, probably, or I heard somebody smarter say it. I don't know. Comfort. Yeah is the enemy of art. Yeah. Yes. And I, yes, I, I'd, gotten really, yeah. I'd gotten comfortable. I knew what I was doing. Like I knew I knew how yeah. to do the job well and I knew how to cast well and kind of let the actors do what they did best. And I, and I don't know, I, it was and it was a huge risk. Like when we when, when I transitioned over to Gearbox, we just found out my wife was pregnant with our second kid. Uh, and uh, and I was like, I don't know mazzle, if this is the right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but, you know, like she, she, she understood uh, kind of where I was coming from and, and, and uh, that, you know, if you don't take a risk, you're never going to like, just like really, really crush it. And so, yeah. That's, that's so important and great to have a, a supportive partner like that. True. It's Man. a capacious yeah. uh, industry. And so you have two kids now. Yeah. 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 And uh, I had lots of funny tweets about the kiddos as well. They are, God, so, they are so much funnier than me. <laughs> I noticed you didn't actually uh, get into why you left. Oh, you were just feeling constrained. You were just feeling not creatively. Yeah, that was that was 
That was the bulk of it. It was just, you know, I'd been the, the, the job at, at Funimation at the time, it wasn't structured for kind of growth uh, and development. It was, you know, this is the job and this is what you do. Uh, and, and that's not a slide on them in any way. The same like, thing but, over and over. Every well, and yeah, there was no, there was no avenue. In, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, for, for pretty much, well, day, Funimation style. Yeah, when the workload just kind of got faster and faster because, like, un unwittingly, I had wandered yeah. into uh, the, the dub of uh, both as a director and one of the, the, the central characters of Space Dandy, which is a Watsonabe project, uh, and it was the first simul dub. Uh, and we did it kind of as a proof of concept to see can we release an episode a week on the same schedule, more or less, as Japan did. And we proved that, yes, we can. It nearly killed all of us. And we're like, wow, <laughs> glad that's over. That was super fun. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. It's not Adult Swim. Right down to it. Now, yeah. years later, did it even matter? Well, now, well, now it's the norm. Like now, now it's standard. And so, like we, like that, that show kind of proved the concept for the entire industry. And now it's like more episode, uh, more episodes, more anime all the time. Go, go, go. I which mean, I think is great. I'm saying consumer. now, do you think it? Do you think it even matters? Like uh, these things live forever uh, on the streaming services, and isn't the more important. Uh, goal to just do the best possible work and if you're racing like that then your objective is to get it out uh like on a, a certain schedule as opposed to yeah like well i mean sure i think it's done well i think there's arguments to be made on both sides but 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 and i i would i would generally agree with with that that that, that you know taking the the time to make sure it's all cooked and all that uh but at the same time when something's big in japan there's a small window of time in the U.S. or you know English-speaking countries to kind of strike while the iron is hot, and so I think if if you have a two-year gap between when something finishes oh, in well, Japan, yeah, I mean there is a window. I get you. I get the window. I'm saying simul release. All right, moving on. Next question: uh, Which do you prefer? Uh, uh, voice acting, casting, writing, directing, something else, sleeping in, maybe. <laughs> all those things it, it's hard to choose but honestly i'd say like uh, directing and, and coaching because I, I i've been coaching some classes and, and doing workshops and seminars and stuff lately uh well over the past 10 years or so um live I, or online uh, i've been doing everything Both. predominantly online uh for oh. the past few years yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh give me your link or, your, or say it right now and i'll put it in the show notes as well so uh so actually uh, uh there my my email address for uh for uh, classes and to purchase uh our past classes is uh, joel in training at gmail uh and uh that one we just wrapped a series of three workshops we did a three-hour seminar slash workshop on anime three hours on video games and three hours on commercial uh and Smart to go uh, in terms of style like that because I yeah. run these occasional Zoom workshops like I just did last weekend, and I know there's a difference between what they want to learn and what I want to teach because yeah. I only yeah. want to teach craft, which is all I feel I'm qualified to teach. The, mm -hmm. Like to bring a character to life, even if it's in like a two sentence commercial little soundbite, yeah. if you can make that jump off the page and cut through. Like then it becomes easy to do it in a long form animation. But there, I know the students want to learn basically what you're talking about, which is yeah. like I want to go ugh, ah, ugh, and be you know in a fight scene and learn how to make noises. Yes, right. So great. Well, and they were. 
they were they were all online. They were super fun to do. We and, and we we did it. Uh, I I'd been trying to figure out a way to to do a class that was helpful and beneficial, but uh, at a lower price point that was more accessible. So we did all three classes. You could you could buy them a la carte, forty bucks each, uh, or a hundred bucks for all three. What we yeah, found though was that significantly fewer people signed up for commercial than the more character driven stuff, which I think is just leaving money on the table. Like you of can't just it is. of course this is what I'm talking you know? about about the difference between the fan mentality and a and a and a journey artist mentality it's like the commercials where you make the money guys like you do the anime for fun to play but you make the money doing the commercials or in my case the promos but there's less of those now yeah and you gotta learn like if you actually want to do voiceovers as a career you got to learn commercial that's all an agent wants to to see anyway is your commercial demo then maybe they'll look at the other stuff Right. Uh, so of course, yeah, but, of course yeah, just leaving money on the table, and of course they want to do the character work because that's what people think right. of as voice acting. It's like a little, yeah, I mean, a, a little acting is always acting has always been my 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 first love, and it always will be, and I'm sure I'll, I'll wander back in there one day. But but helping uh, other actors, often much more talented uh, professional actors, uh, to turn a good read into a great read uh, or or a, a memorable role into an unforgettable one, like that's to me that's where there's the, the magic lives. And and that's if I can, like assist, tell you're a good right. director is because you put your ego to the side and use what you know oh, yeah. in the service of the performance of another person. Right. Like that's sure. Uh, I don't know that I would do that. I just want to give a good performance <laughs> myself. But that's why I'm a director. <laughs> um, so, uh, what would, you've done so many things over the years, and now you know in the twilight uh, uh, of your your uh, career after after decades um, yeah. uh, doing this, what is it that you would like to do that you still haven't done? Man, I, to, to be honest, I that my, the next thing that I want to get more involved in is uh, performance capture and motion capture. Um, and uh, I've been lucky. In a little headset. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's because I, because it blends yeah. the, the voiceover uh, that I've been hammering hard for 16 years and then the theatrical background that I spent at least as much mm-hmm. time in. Uh, and in. Yeah. Uh, and it's where, you know, like as a as a voice actor who had previously been trained in theater, when I started. Oh, no, he. He has disappeared. Where did he go? Oh, he's coming back. All right, hang on. <laughs> he, he's coming back. So let me put a little elevator music on here while we add him to. And this commercial break has been brought to you by Ovaltine. Ovaltine, yum. Hi, Joel, back for part two of the interview. Welcome. Good cover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that was weird. Where was I? What, I, what, I? I was talking, I'm sure. I usually do that. What you, what, uh, what you, oh, I asked you what you wanted to do that you haven't done, and you said the motion capture stuff. Yeah. Do they ever do that remotely? Like, like the only reason I'm able to voice stuff again now is because I have a remote booth. Like, is that the sort yeah. of thing where they need to be in a, a studio with proper stuff and green screen? Yeah, you, you got it. Yeah. You got to be on site for that, yeah. To be like in volume and, and to 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 uh, uh, allow different characters to move around each other in a consistent way. Uh, but yeah, no, that that's an all, all on site endeavor. But like when when the voice and the body and everything kind of comes together as a, as a whole package, like that's just some amazing stuff. Like I don't know if you played uh, like Red Dead Redemption Two. Like I think I it's one of the best examples. Yeah. Yeah. Well, although the, <laughs> although although the fans and my social media manager have been ganging up on me to try to get me to live stream me playing video games like yeah. the Digimon video game, you know, doing the tie boys, uh, but I don't know how to use the controllers. 
So it's very <laughs> embarrassing because it's like it's not yeah. Atari. <laughs> right, right. Thing. What does the X mean? What does the L mean? Why don't they label what they these things are? <laughs> Anywho, you you were saying uh, how, yeah, how well, yeah. they have to be on site, but like for how long? Like how long would it take? I don't know a main character in a video game to to actually be filmed doing all that stuff. Well, so we so we just months. we did a, we did. Uh, uh, just a couple years ago called uh, New Tales from the Borderlands that was filmed up in Vancouver and uh, it took over a year. Um, uh, and uh, and of uh, the, the central four or so characters were on set nearly every workday. Um, it, it was it was really, really uh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, you are in a, an area of the country, I guess, where they have those facilities there in Dallas right. to allow for that. I know there's a lot of video game uh, companies in that yeah. area. So yeah, you move to the right place. And now for sure. a topical question. Since uh, since I just got the email with the uh, asking for a strike vote from the SAG-AFTRA performers yeah. and, and uh, the writers are already on strike and a big part of that is uh, assurances uh, that we will not have our our voice and our likeness duplicated by AI and, and used to train AI to replace us in the future. Uh, how do you mm -hmm. think AI uh, is impacting, is going to impact voice actors? I, I think it already is an impacting voice actors. I, and I, matter of fact, me and uh, a couple of um, uh, coworkers at Gearbox uh, just a couple months ago, we discovered an, a new AI site that featured thousands of voice actors, many of which we already had relationships with or I'd met at cons. And we spent the better part of a day reaching out to actors and agents to let them know, uh, you know, you can you can file you know a strike request or whatever and have this taken down. And, and uh, how is that even legal? That's that's identity theft. Your voice right. is part of your identity. Right. Well, and when you see these people that like that train AI, they get mad when other people steal their like inputs and their prompts because they feel like that's their creative work and how dare yeah, you? Right. But they're no, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah. That's it, crazy. It's, that's crazy it's to me that that they are able to do that without consent. Right. Like, just you can't just steal somebody's image and put them in a context. Uh, mm -hmm. for a professional actor especially to, to say yeah. or even their voice to say words that, that they wouldn't normally like there are things that I won't yeah. say in it. I, like you can you can say like I'm, I'm on some rosters now where I, I check the box I don't want to go out for certain types of work because I'm a dad yeah. and I want to be a role model and I don't want to portray myself in certain types of roles but yeah. if they just steal our voice they can make us say and, and do anything right what yeah, and you know, and the the but the, the the entertainment industry is made up, especially you know the more profitable you know stuff like like video games and anime and, and movies and whatever. It's it, it's made up of lots of different factions, kind of within the industry and within every company, and the, some of them are less artistic overall, uh, like. Uh, like uh, uh, producers and the legal team and things like that. Of course, there's there's art that kind of trickles in everywhere. But like there are, there are people that I think can be forgiven, well-meaning people that say, hey, uh, you know, if if we did this this way and we use this AI, then then uh, it would save us money on uh, you know on, on our end. It would it would it, it boost production. It would move things along faster. Uh, we might even be able save to train money. it to yeah, that's new lines of dialogue and whatever. And like I don't think that that necessarily comes from a malicious place. I think it comes from a misunderstanding of what it makes comes what from draws a mercenary place. 
Very much. Yeah. You know, whether whether uh, vulture capitalism is malicious or not, like that's yeah. that's up to each individual to judge. But what, I would say, what I would ultimately, say... yes. If you put greed ahead of yeah. individual auto bodily autonomy, is what we're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it's 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 identity theft, and yeah, and, uh, I, and yeah. they and they I, don't care uh, who they're taking from in order to turn a bigger profit and save more money. And uh, right. like they said last night in uh, Ted Lasso, uh, you have enough. Like, how much more do you need at mm -hmm. a certain point? If it's already yeah. profitable, can't you just let the people that are pouring their blood, sweat, and tears into these productions make a living at it? Right. And choose to do yeah. what they want to do and make a Now, fortunately, every, everyone I've had those conversations with up to this point has been very receptive. Like, once I kind of explain the human element behind Everyone I've talked to has been like, "Oh yeah, okay," uh, but they're they're not always going to be those people, uh, and so it's 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 going to become an us versus them more and more. So and fast too, man. I think how fast in just a few months uh, this is already right. happening. All right, and now it's time for the lightning round. Is there a role you've always wanted to voice? Uh, uh yes, uh, Henry in uh, the Lion in Winter. It's a stage play. Who's your favorite voice actor? Uh, me. <laughs> nice to know you have such high self-esteem. Uh, what's a voice actor you'd love to work with? Uh, a voice actor I'd love to work with. Uh, a, a voice actor I'd love to work with, uh, um, uh, Rob Paulson. Oh, yeah. Uh, from yeah. Maniacs and so many other things. Very talented. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your favorite voiceover role that you have done? Uh, talk to me from Initial D, because he never yelled. Very shit. And finally, what's a project you'd love to work on? Uh, oh God, uh, um, I, 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 I want to do uh, Borderlands 40. I, I want to keep going it uh, my, the rest of my life. <laughs> and that has been the lightning round. I think you're the only person I haven't had to like ding in the middle of an answer because they took too long. And I was waiting for the button. I think it's on the button. Lion in Winter, huh? I know that. That wasn't that a movie too with like Richard Harris or somebody in it. I can't remember who was the main actor, but it was that or yes, yeah. It's it's one it's a, uh, one of the and uh, oh, what's the lady with the voice? Uh, the lady with the anyway. voice. Anyway, <laughs> Catherine Hepburn. Anyway, yeah, delightful yeah, film. Yeah. Uh, great. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, 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 th yeah, that's like a classic that I probably saw in film school. Or I think it was Catherine Hepburn, and I want to. It wasn't Richard Harris. It might have been. It so might have been the guy from uh, 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 one of my favorite movies, um, Peter O'Toole. Uh, yeah, yeah, right from uh, uh, yeah. uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. All right, now, yep. we'll get yep. off of all that before we lose our, our entire uh, viewer and <laughs> listenership here. Right. Okay, now, uh, usually it's tech talk time, but because you work in an actual studio, I will skip over that, unless you have a home recording booth. I, I do, but it's, 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 it's pretty underused. You, right, you don't need one. All right, so we will, we yeah. will skip uh, that and move right on to questions from the fans. <laughs> Now, I'm going to be reading these in the comments live on YouTube. So if you asked a comment a long time ago uh, in this conversation, feel free to repost it now because I'm going to start with the most recent uh, and then go back or it will get very confusing. Uh, uh, Tobias asks, 
and I'm going to add it to the broadcast so you can see it too. Uh, what is something that you'd love to bring to Borderlands if you had the choice? Like, do they mean uh, snacks? Craft yeah. snacks? <laughs> what, what do they mean? Well, honestly, I think Borderlands, well before I even showed up, Borderlands is great with every successive title introducing more and more kinds of people and kinds of cultures and race and ethnicity and accents and dialects uh, and gender identity and sexuality. Uh, and uh, and I think that the longer the timeline, the more you're going to see that continue to happen. And, and you know, I actually was talking with uh, Kieran Strange, who uh, just got uh, the, a gaming award for uh, for representation in games for his portrayal of a character named Lore uh, that has transitioned over the course of several games. Uh, and uh, we were talking about it and, and basically saying that, like, if you if you don't see yourself in the Borderlands universe yet, just wait. Like if, if you've never seen a character that represents you uh, or that shows people like you in a good light, give it time because we're, we're, we're making the rounds. We're trying to get, we, everyone plays games. We want everyone to see themselves in games. And Borland, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and a fairly recent uh, development, but move it in the right direction. Uh, let's see. We say, Hey, Hey Joel, did you like Vancouver, Canada? Was that like for a, a uh, comic con or something you did up there? Uh, yeah, I went up to, to Canada for or for a convention last year. Stalking your uh, your family vacations. <laughs> no, family didn't get to come on that one. But yeah, no, I had an amazing time in Canada. Everyone was really nice. There was French everywhere. Uh, I had to figure out. I was stuck on an elevator for a while because there I didn't. Was there was French no everywhere. <laughs> there, there was I, the button for the ground floor. The button for the ground floor in elevators in Canada says RC which does not mean anything to me. And I was on an elevator for like five minutes. <laughs> I was trying and to figure out how to mean? get I don't know. For, for something French, I imagine. I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, the first person who can answer this uh, in the comments will get a, uh, a shout out from me, <laughs> uh, in case we have any Francophiles. Uh, but people do watch this from all over the world. Uh, on yesterday's live stream, I asked about that, and there were people in all kinds of countries that I don't know what they were doing up at that time. Nice. Andrew says, hey, Joshua, great, nicest interview of Joel McDonald. Uh, does that imply that other interviewers were mean to you? Nice. Who yeah. was the most unkind interviewer? Uh, because that's the implication. There, there, they were not nice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've tried to hold his feet to the fire here. I haven't given him a pass on anything, but he's a, he's a, a fine fellow. Um, uh, can you not mention Ovaltine again? The kid from A Christmas Story didn't like it, but don't you see the conundrum here? Because by asking me not to mention Ovaltine in your text that references Ovaltine, you've pretty much forced me to say the word Ovaltine over and over it again. <laughs> and uh, it's part of a hidden message from Little Orphan Annie. I don't have any idea what that means, do you? Yeah, that's a Christmas story reference. Yes. Yeah, so so the Little Orphan Annie part is what? Is what oh yeah, the Dakota ring he gets is from uh, the Little Orphan Annie radio show. Uh, uh, here's another question. Which speed racer did you watch when you were getting into anime, the original or the 90s remake version, which actually I was in. I voiced Sparky in that one. Nice. No, yeah, it was it was the original. Uh, and uh, actually, my very first convention ever was uh, in Seattle, and I got to be on a panel, my first panel ever, uh, with Richard Fernandez, the original voice of Speed Racer. Uh, he did wow. not like me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
we disagreed on something and he basically shook a finger in my face and said, don't listen to this guy. <laughs> You're allowed to anyway. have a difference of opinion. I mean, it's not, not very interesting uh, discussion if everybody's <laughs> like, yes, I agree. And I agree with you. And I agree with you. That's, that's, uh, that's too much of a silo. Uh, D-Dog asks, who is your favorite character in Fairy Tale? Uh, besides Zeref, uh, uh, I'm a I'm a big uh, Natsu main. Uh, I I hated being on the wrong side of history on that one, but uh, yeah, Todd Hepperquin's one of the best in the business, and it was amazing mm-hmm. getting to play along. Okay, cool. And uh, Rena's asking, uh, Hey, Joel and Joshua, did you ever work together? Uh, does this count? What? This is it? As as was it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this and 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 that's it. And that has been questions from the fans. <laughs> There were probably some over on uh, the on the social medias, but uh, because I uh, was late <laughs> getting everything set up for this, I didn't pull them all up on the others. You know, I'll do this. Why don't you talk for a moment? I'll tell you what. I'll pull them up and see if anybody's asking questions over on the Twitter and such. And uh, you yeah. can tell us uh, um, what you're working on now. It's a little a little segment I like to call "Break the NDA." <laughs> so, Joel, what are you working on now? I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> we're always working oh, on come something. Come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, well, I mean, we, we've, uh, we, we released a Wonderlands game uh, last year that was super fun uh, with uh, Will Arnett uh, and uh, Ashley Ooh. Birch and Wanda Arnett, Sykes and guy. Andy Samberg. Uh, and that was awesome. And, um, uh, you know, we, we're always working on something new. And God knows that there's a lot of existing IP in the, the, the Gearbox uh, vault uh, for us to play with. Uh, and there's a lot of it that, you know, we haven't gotten the chance to yet, but I can't wait. Uh, I hope it comes back around. And then, of course, you know, we're helping to, to publish and, uh, you know, and work with other studios uh, to make uh, cool new titles as well. So um, I'm not going to tell you a single thing I'm but working on, but I can tell you that like, but that I've been having a lot of fun with me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Over on the Twitter, which is where you have a following. Um, let's see what we've got here on the Twitter. Uh the questions are uh, from JL Warren. Question With audiobook publishers laying off staff because AI generated voices can now be used to record audiobooks, do you foresee the VO community having to address this development in the near future? Well, we talked about AI, but we didn't specifically talk about uh, audiobooks. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, I love how, how, does that, uh, how does that relate? Uh, uh, Mr. Warren is a, is a, is a friend too. We, we worked together before. Um, I, I think, I, I think audiobooks are, are unique in that, like, I don't think that there is as much of a fan base around audiobook narrators. There's definitely some, and some, some are good friends of mine. Uh, but, uh, but I think the video game and anime worlds, um, have more of a fan base to rely on. And I, I hope what I, what I, what I think is happening is I think that our, our, the fans of the industry and fans of the product that we make, I don't think they're going to take, AI substitutions lying down. Uh, and so the, the, the better trained AI voices become, more and more game developers are going to venture, take a wrong step in a wrong direction and try it out. Uh, and, and lots of different, we've even had some studios recently have said, hey, we plan to try this in this capacity. Uh, and as it gets better, more people are going to take that, that wrong step. And I think what we need is a unified front of fans and voice actors and creators working together uh, and not opening up their wallets when stuff like that comes out. Because if they're trying to save money, it needs to cost them money. Cost them and that's money. the yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that I mean that makes perfect sense. I don't know who would want to listen to say a 12-hour audiobook with a computer-generated voice anyway. Like there, there really? there's no heart in it. Like, yeah. 
by definition. I would think with, right. with video games, uh, they would try it out with non-playable characters first, background characters and things. You know, and you know, yeah, I, I've, I've heard arguments around that and, and enemies and, you know, like battle grids and screaming and stuff like that. Uh, and I just, I don't, I don't think that's, it's not right. It's, it's not right. It's, yeah. It's dumb. Yeah. Uh, last question here from the Twitter. Mr. Shim asks, what are some of your fondest memories while working at Gearbox? Ah, uh, there's a lot. Um, I'm, I'm infinitely blessed to be uh, with the group of creatives that I, I'm surrounded by on a daily basis. Uh, but the, actually, the one that jumps jumps out at me is I occasionally we get to do some writing as well. Uh, and one of my favorite characters to write for is uh, Hammerlock, uh, who appeared in Borderlands 2 for the first time and is played by one of the finest people and voice actors on the planet, uh, J. Michael Tatum. Uh, and uh, so I would periodically get to write dialogue for him. And in the Guns, Love, and Tentacles uh, Lovecraftian uh, uh, wedding story DLC that we did um, uh, I wrote some of the contextual dialogue where you can walk up to Hammerlock and talk to him between kind of missions and he just kind of says stuff out of nowhere uh, but uh, what uh, there was a, a longer chunk of line it was probably about 30 seconds that I got to write uh, and he did it cold like it, it was just reading it through I, he hadn't really you know read it he was just performing it as he went and of course being a natural like he was it was going swimmingly but partway yeah. through the line he realized that it was Hammerlock telling the player about how he and his uh, uh, partner became engaged. And I wrote it in a way that mirrored how Tatum and his fiance, Brandon McInnes, also a wonderful voice actor, got engaged. Uh, it was kind of like, I just spacified it and kind of made, like put it in the Borderlands universe to where the character and the actor had more overlap than usual. And uh, I, I asked him if that was okay with him. And he, he, he really enjoyed having their personal story kind of be immortalized through the game. And that was, that was a, a wonderful moment for me. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Well, that was a, a great question to end on. And uh, this has just been uh, this has been a great first video live stream version of the podcast experience. I can't think of a, a better guest to have done it with than Joel McDonald. And before I let you go, um, where can people find you? Do you even want them to? Uh, both loaded questions. Uh, on Twitter, it's uh, at at yes two ats, which is easier to say uh, to, or to type than say. Uh, and then on uh, Insta, it's uh, uh, at okay Joel okay, all spelled out. Okay, and I will have that in the show notes on the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as uh, in the comments once this live stream uh, goes up after the broadcast is ended. Uh, on the YouTube. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And until next time, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. And I'll see you in Dallas at TCG Con this weekend. And then Denver, if you happen to see me at uh, the beginning. Uh, no, sorry. Denver at TCG Con this weekend. And then Dallas next week. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast and want to support it, the best way you can do that is to subscribe, give it a five-star rating and review, and share it with a friend.